All right, everybody, don't drop that fast forward button. The sponsorship roll call is about to begin. Energy Consulting Limited provides complete project management and general contracting services to a variety of private sector clients on both commercial and residential construction projects. They act as the owner's representatives through the planning, design, budgeting, scheduling, construction, and occupancy processes. Clients appreciate their open, honest, and flexible approach to achieving their project goals. Although they are located in Surrey, BC, Energy works on projects all over the province, including the growing cities of the north and the beautiful coastal towns of Vancouver Island. They're always excited to explore new places and develop relationships with professionals wherever their clients' interests may be. Abacus North is a firm that specializes in mortgage banking solutions for complex projects. In addition to providing financing solutions in a traditional mortgage broker capacity, Abacus North provides direct loans that range from $2 million to $25 million. On a syndicated basis, they provide mortgage banking solutions up to $300 million. In most cases, their in-house capital solutions can bridge financing gaps that traditional lenders are unable to service. They specialize in providing land acquisition loans, construction financing for large-scale developments, income-producing properties, and single-purpose facilities. With a portfolio that includes high-rise, mid-rise, and low-rise condominiums, townhouse developments, shopping centers, agricultural properties, industrial developments, and medical marijuana facilities, Abacus North is at the forefront of creative mortgage banking solutions with a focus on fostering long-term relationships. They are a multifaceted organization that services domestic and international clients with their mortgage banking needs. Complex financing solutions require analytical thinking well beyond a typical mortgage broker relationship. As a result, they focus on providing engineered solutions for their client. Their key differentiation strategy is that they assist clients in actively managing the capital stack in order to minimize borrowing costs while maximizing flexibility. Abacus North focuses on national and global opportunities. Ascentia CPA has a team of new-gen chartered professional accountants that are dedicated to advancing companies using expertise combined with emerging technologies. The team at Ascentia will implement the latest accounting technologies, allowing you to not only run a business, but to run a smart business that will excel in your industry. Their focus is to provide growth-centric, value-added, and timely accounting services for businesses, as well as individuals across Canada. Unlike standard accounting firms, by embracing cloud-based software, the team at Ascentia will provide you with real-time accounting information on a secure platform that is accessible anywhere at any time, allowing you to make better informed decisions and gain more controlled overview of your financial data. The reliability and expertise you will experience with the professionals at Ascentia will assist you in the preparation of corporate and personal tax returns, financial statements, bookkeeping, government filings, tax and estate planning, as well as business advisory services. For more information on the advantages of online accounting and to book a complimentary meeting online, be sure to visit ascentiacpa.ca. We are I. All right, we're on. So we were just discussing starting recording, so we decided to hit record and you yeah. got a couple of questions and um, 
I'm going to try my best. So if I start going off on one of my 10,000 rabbit holes, I always usually go down that have nothing to do with the topic that we, we want to discuss. Just reel me back in and say, Blake, today's not the day. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and stuff. So uh, why don't we just get right into it? Like, fire your questions away because it it has been a couple of weeks since you and I you know, have had a chance to be able to get together on the podcast. And I didn't do a lot of updates during the um, the ketogenic month solely because I realized that I, um, in the vegan month, what I was doing is I was doing some updates. Plus, we were talking about it as well. Um, so I tried to carry that same theme of like, well, maybe I'll drop some of the solo ones about the diet because every week we're going to talk about it. And then it just so happens this month, <laughs> we didn't end up talking a whole bunch. So uh, people haven't got a whole lot of updates on the, the ketogenic diet one. So that's why I want to try to stay topic specific to this, because this is obviously the wrap up to the ketogenic diet. Um, people haven't got a lot of updates along the way. We can talk about meals that I ate, ketone levels, breath meters, uh, P-test strips, um, like blood meter, like blood sugar levels, the whole bit. Let's just geek out everything ketogenic today. Okay, first, uh, when you said, okay, you did a 30 days of ketogenic diet, but let me ask you something. So how long it took you to get into ketosis, the first ketosis? Um, so I got into ketosis right away, like, you know, within like a couple of days. Okay. Um, but on the breath meter, like I was still kind of like I edged up um, over the course of about 10 days, you know, like I got into kind of like in the the one 1.5, you know, like low twos really quickly, which like I know I can do that, um, you know, just based on like the past. But I had a really hard time kind of getting past like like 2.5 to 2.9. Like I it was just like glue. I just I stuck there. Um, and then it was actually my dad and I actually love this component to it because like my dad is, he's been such an inspiration to me, like my whole life of doing everything I do outside. Um, you know, like my dad, you know, like obviously we were farmers from Southern Alberta. He's my connection to the land. You know, we always took me hunting and fishing. We were always hiking. So everything I do kind of like outside and with food and growing food and foraging, all of that comes from my dad. Um, but my dad actually was like really invested in the ketogenic diet about six months, eight months ago. And, uh, like he was, when I went over to his house for lunch after not seeing him for two months, um, about halfway, three quarters way through the ketogenic diet. And I was eating and, you know, we were talking about the numbers and, you know, he was just saying, he's, and as I was saying, he's like, well, he's like, I actually think you're eating too much protein. And, you know, it's like, I couldn't eat that much protein. I'm like, well, you're a lot more sedentary than I am. My activity level is very high. And he's like, well, why don't you just try lowering your protein intake a little bit? So for, like I did for a couple of days and I immediately got up into the threes because my goal was I kind of wanted to stay between three and four for the entire month. Um, mm -hmm. But I had wasted about 15 or 20 days um, kind of getting to that level, mm -hmm. which there, obviously there's nothing wrong with being in the, like the mid twos, high twos, you know, things along those lines as well. But I just wanted to be between that three and four range. Um, for the entire month. So I, I almost feel like I kind of cheated my way through the month because I didn't really hit my goal the whole time. But this last um, about 10 days, I've de my ketone levels have definitely been a lot higher, you know, like in the threes, in the fours, you know, I had like a few days rise up in like the six levels and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so like, um, that's kind of like the like getting into ketosis and then like the, the number range that I was in for the month. 
That's excellent. So that's why like uh, when you look at the carnivore diet and uh, compare with the ketogenic diet, the ketogenic diet, when you focus on getting into ketosis, you really have to moderate your protein portion. Like mm -hmm. I say, 55% is anti-ketogenic. Yeah. So it's a turn to glucose, right? So that's a have to be, but, but then again, I want to ask you something. Um, when you're really getting into heat that over 3.0 and 3.5 and then compare with when you're like under like a 2.5, the keto, uh, ketone level, what's the difference that you experience? Um, so it's actually very distinct, like extremely distinct. So like being in less than three, it's kind of, I, I would almost have to just rely on the numbers, you know, based on this machine, based on like the, you know, alleged science or, you know, like the algorithms, like the, the software behind it because I wouldn't really feel that much of a difference. Now, when I get above three, I very much have like that typical, like ketogenic taste in your mouth. Like, like I know like thoroughly, like, you know, like that's when, you know, like I just have like an abundance of like ketones, like, you know, just like, you know, from like, you know, exhaling, just like the really distinct flavor in your mouth. Um, and I know that this isn't, necessarily true but it's the only way that I can explain it so I say it with a grain of salt um it's like in my forehead mm -hmm. I feel like I can connect with the energy flow through um the synapses between my neurons it's very distinct it feels like I can feel the activity, like the, like the elect, the electronic signals, like the electric signals going like through the synapses, um, like in my frontal cortex, like I don't know how to explain it in any other way. And I'm sure that's probably not what it is. It just, that's the only way that I can describe it. And that happens when I get above 3.5. Like it just feels like my brain is on fire in like the best possible way. It, it is like I, I contribute it to feeling like somebody plugged me into the matrix and they're trying to download information because like it, it, it feels like I can't keep up with how fast my brain wants to process. Awesome. That's what it really benefit for the ketogenic diet, especially mm -hmm. like you're the focus and then the, how sharp your brain is, right? It's so sensitive. You can just monitor everything, right? Yeah. So that's awesome. And let me ask you something. So everybody's different. And how low, like uh, how much, my, what, what is your maximum to consume the carbohydrate so you can actually stay on over, above three? Um, I actually um, kind of made like a, well, not really like a choice. So, so like to, I chose to not really want to entertain like really eating any carbohydrates at all until I got into that three or four range. And mm -hmm. since I was struggling getting into like that three or four inch, I mean, I didn't want to experiment too much until I got there. Um, Cause I didn't want to bumping myself out of ketosis, like entirely, which I ended up doing one day. Um, I can't remember what I did, but uh, what did I eat? I, I can't remember what I eat, but there's like one day really early on when I, when I bumped myself out of ketosis. Um, so since it took me so long to be able to get in there, I really didn't start eating things like, like pickles or you know like like the mm -hmm. odd kind of like um like like cherry tomato or anything like that in just within like the last like week or like 10 days 
Um, and the reason why I kept on doing that after I adjusted my protein levels and got higher into, into ketosis, because I'm like, well, at the end of the day, I want to eat more protein. I, I realized the micronutrients that I was missing from the vegetables, like the fruits and vegetables by not consuming those. But then I'm like, you're consuming such a low amount of fruits and vegetables that you're really not getting a whole lot of micronutrients anyway. I'd rather eat better quality meat that I know where the nutrient level is higher. Like, you know, add some liver, you know, like add like some like kidney, something like that where I know I'm getting way more bang for my buck. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to get way better quality protein and a way higher like micronutrient count than the little bit of fruits and vegetables I'm going to eat. So I actually chose to keep on eating no carbohydrates and increase my protein intake again once I got into like that three, 3.54 range. Um, and then, um, and just allow myself to go through glycogenesis to be able to um, start metabolizing carbohydrate that way. Oh, so that means that you had the no even complex carbohydrate, nothing, just no carbs, just to stay yeah. with the fat and protein. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And another thing I want to ask is, so I'm sure that even that you still have a bowel movement once a day minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's nothing to do with the really fiber, right? At the point. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, so let me ask you something. I saw that one of your posts, you went on like ketoacidosis. I'm like, uh, oh my God, this is red mark. It's a really higher number you get. It, this is like when you are, if you are in diabetes, mm-hmm. this is like a 911 crisis. So how did you do? <laughs> what, what did you do before? Yeah, so it's actually, so I'll kind of reel it back. And I know these are the conversations that like people probably don't want to hear when they're on the podcast. So like um, when it comes to like, like stool, um, the higher up in the ketosis, and I don't know if this is like this for everybody. Um, it's just something I noticed happens. So like the higher in ketosis I got, um, the more um, loose my stool got. It was, it was definitely distinct. So it's almost like the symptoms that people typically feel when they're on a carnivore diet saying they kind of get like, you know, diarrhea for the first like two to three weeks on a carnivore diet. I kind of felt like the higher I got into ketosis, that's only when that process happened. So it made me wonder if that when people in that first few weeks on the carnivore diet, they're just really high, um, like in ketosis, but don't really realize it because they're not checking that. Um, but they're just consuming like really fatty sources of meat. So their, their ketone levels are high. Now, where that would be concerning to me is because, like, especially when I got like like six and above, like your stool is extremely loose, you know, borderline that kind of diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people spend the first like two or three weeks on a carnivore diet having like you know like quite bad diarrhea, like I wonder if their like ketone levels are kind of in like that six plus range or maybe something that's relative to them, um, mm-hmm. which would be concerning. Then they are sitting like at a very um high level and like at risk kind of for like that um ketogenic acidosis right so um like it would just be something really interesting to be able to track Mm -hmm. if that was the case uh Mm -hmm. because obviously we don't want to sit in that range too high um or for too long that high range for too long now what i realized what really did that to me uh was when i fasted you know for at least um about 14 hours and then I had a fat only meal mm-hmm. and then I had another fat, like, and then I kind of fasted for maybe another six or eight hours. And then I had the same fat only meal and then went to bed. 
So like it within about an hour going to going to bed and then I would wake up and almost like routinely be um, like, like I, I know today that if I did that, if that was my protocol, say tomorrow morning, I would probably be in that six to seven range um, on the ketone scale. Oh, I see. It's nothing to do with it. When you had your fat, like it was a lot, right? So you're not like having a restricting portion or anything. Nope, no restricted portion. And that that those two fat-only meals I'm talking about, uh, like one was, um, you know, like uh, coconut oil, almond butter, and milled flax uh, with some cinnamon. And the other one was the same thing, but instead of milled flax, it was hemp hearts. So that's just kind of running like a little bit of an experiment. So like mm-hmm. it was kind of like processed fat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the same fat sources, but then just exchanging the milled flax in the hemp parts and just seeing like a subtle change. If that would do anything, didn't notice anything, didn't think I would. Um, but what I did notice is waking up in the morning and being in like an extremely high, um, like ketone levels. And then like, obviously, you know, and like me, this is a question I want to ask you because I talked to quite a few people like off the podcast and, you know, and it's something I've been now in, like encouraging the conversation around of obviously doing a blood ketone test is going to be kind of the holy grail of understanding what your ketone levels are like. Now, would you agree or disagree that the breath test um, for ketones would be more for active people because you're testing more of the ketones you're using um, and more sedentary people should use the P strips because those P it's just, your body's not using the ketones. It's just kind of expelling them. Um, how do you feel about that and that question? And then because my ketone levels on the P strips never measured at all, but they always measured on the breath test. Um, but my dad would be the opposite, but like, I'm very active. He's very sedentary. He'd register really high on the P strips and then next to nothing on the breath test. That's really interesting. Yeah. Super interesting. Eh? It's a super interesting. You know what? I, cannot answer you that because I never thought about that way and you just you know like uh, this is like something like really interesting I'm gonna dig into it yeah because I was talking about it with Ariel Jarvis at Vitality Wellness when we were doing like my my blood work and all that kind of stuff and Uh I was like hey I'm like like this is what's happened do you have any insight and then she's the one who told me about that theory so then I started kind of digging a little bit into like uh-huh. In my life, I started talking to my dad and I started talking to like other people. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, it, it, it seems valid. I'm, I'm not saying that it, it's a complete theory unless if, you know, like Ariel knows a little bit more about than I do. But I, like from me and, you know, like the continued disclaimer, like I only try to talk about the things that I've experienced um, because I feel like I'm educated on them based on what's happened in my body not saying that this is the golden rule for everybody, but I think that we as professionals, if there's not any, any like kind of studies that we can follow, I think a study should be done um, of like what, what that kind of looks like, you know, if sedentary, because it would determine on what, what tool you're going to use to help measure somebody's ketone levels. If they're not going to get one of the blood meters. Exactly. Okay. Here's the thing. Like, I want to dig into that again, but I know that study came out before previously about ketogenic diet when they look at like a female and male. And yeah. then even despite the female, they are in ketosis. Okay. They see the ketone level, they're in ketosis, but they have a hard time to lose weight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the male, they're in ketosis at the same level, but they actually lose the tons of weight. 
So then the end, they more dig into like a blood test and so on. They found that actually the female, they are low in iron. Oh. When they're low in iron, actually, even though you're doing the ketogenic diet, there's no way you're going to lose weight. Wow. So there is more into it. But I never thought about what you told me just now. It's like a person who has like a different lifestyle, like a sanitary lifestyle and a very active lifestyle. They have a different way to measure the ketones. That's also I want to actually look into it. That's interesting. Well, but I know that, if, yeah. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, right? Because if you were using the ketones, you it more would be coming out through exhalation. Like as you breathe out, like when you're when you're burning them, you're like you're processing, like you would sweat more ketones out, you would exhale more ketones out, you know, like instead of just peeing them out, because like a peeing would be peeing them out would be a more like the excess is still in your system. But if, but if you're burning those ketones, like you're not gonna have as much circulating through your system and excreting them out through your urine. That's, so like it, it makes yeah. sense. It makes sense, but same time, yeah. I'm gonna tell you this one. Uh, do you know that everybody is different? Some people, or let's say, when you two people you put outside in the really hot weather, you know that we are like we have the homeostasis, right? We regulate our body temperature by sweating and so on and so on. But some people they don't really sweat, even though they are very hot. But I, because it's my experience with my clients as well, the female, uh, they don't sweat. They drink a lot of water and it's hot weather, they don't sweat. And, but they go pee often. So how some people pee more often to actually eliminate those like, water and some people just with you know, the skin, they sweat off. Mm -hmm. So I think a person to person is different how they do it. Some people just like you say, you know, it can be also, you know, active or not active and stuff like that. But also at the same time, it depends on person how they actually eliminate those ketones. You may be through your sweat, through your mouth, but some people may be through the urine. Yeah. So I See, don't you know, know I can answer. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, where you say that too, because I've been faced with that question for like, like probably the last decade and especially the last five years, I've really tried to figure out because... I'm like, okay, why do some people sweat more than others? But if you look at the people who typically sweat more than others, I, the one thing that I've noticed, male or female, those people have a higher than normal uh, on amount of muscle mass, right? Yeah, yeah. Because then obviously your body temperature is running higher. And like there's more process, you know, going Thermogenic, through. Thermogenic, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I get that. So then I'm like, well... I wonder if it's that, and you could directly measure that by your testosterone levels. Cause even like a woman, you know, not supplementing testosterone in, if she has a higher than average amount of muscle mass, she would have a higher than average amount of testosterone versus the average woman. If she's able to put on more muscle mass than the average woman. Right. So the reason why I kind of tie that in, there's not only from like the sweating standpoint, but from a ketogenic perspective that I wonder if, um, you know, between males and females, um, not only the iron, but I wonder if a part of that controlled study, they also looked at the amount of estrogen versus uh, testosterone too, because, you know, like with guys having obviously lower estrogen levels, typically in higher testosterone levels, like I wonder if that has like a greater effect, um, like on being able to burn more fat, because like having that estrogen levels, higher estrogen levels and wanting to accumulate the fat, like you're a woman's body is going to be able to do that because it knows how much um, the female body relies on those fat stores for hormone regulation and hormone regulation is, is 
probably of a higher value in a woman's body than it is in a man, although it is extremely important to both. Oh, that also makes sense because when it comes with the hormone, especially estrogen hormone, the, especially more you have fat cell, also you can actually produce more estrogen hormone because uh, fat cell makes the whole estrogen, right? Yeah. So it kind of it tied together. It makes sense too. I'm going to actually work on this one. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Thought, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that to me is like the benefit of like doing these things that are doing these diets and running these 30 day experiments because in each one there's been like that kind of like, well, because the thing is like, I just never heard these kind of conversations and, and granted I'm not a part of like the ketogenic community where I hear tons of like I, my research is, you know, very surface, you know, like I understand it, you know, but I haven't spent my life. I don't specialize in it or anything. And there might be the research out there. The problem is, is that the majority of people aren't going to go further than the surface information. But like these things are extremely like critical because again, like if you're a female, would you tell your uh, female clients, you know, maybe gauging on their sweat levels? Well, if they sweat lots, then should that female then use a breath meter? Should you encourage, you know, maybe like minor supplementation of like, like a natural um, testosterone boosting sup supplement like Tribulus and then increase an, an iron supplement to boot? Like would that, would, would that combination be great for a woman and then a woman who sweats lots, you know, versus maybe that same, you know, um, Tribulus and iron supplementation, but a woman who pees more, then, you know, you put, have that on like the ketone pee testing strips, if you weren't going to use a blood meter for either. Right. You know, so like yeah. it, it, to kind of build those narratives, because the reason why is because if somebody would say to me, okay, like get these ketone pee testing strips with which the vast majority of people would, well, if I'm peeing on these sticks and I would pee a zero, like no change of color on the sticks, but on the breath meter, I'd be at like four. Well, the thing is you're really harming somebody's health because like if, if I ever got onto those ketone pee testing trips, to me, that poses two problems. If I ever even rec like, um, recorded a low value number, like a one, well, I actually might be at like a seven and be at risk for prolonged, uh, ketogenic acidosis and my kidneys obviously could get harmed by that. Yeah. But I would, I would keep pushing that thinking like, oh, I have to do more than what I'm doing now. Or even potentially worse, but for the opposite reason, I could get discouraged thinking my body's not adaptable to a ketogenic diet and stop it when I actually could get results from it. So it's like, it creates kind of like those, those narratives where it be, because I see the holes in the system now. Like I see how, again, when it comes to diet and nutrition and talking about a specific diet, the holes that nobody talks about. That's a lot because uh, you kind of brought really good topic. Uh, lately, I was, I've been like, I'm studying every day. I'm researching every day. It doesn't matter. Like uh, one thing that I tell you, more I study and more new study comes out, I feel like I know nothing. And I went to school how many times and I learned, I consume all this knowledge and information. And then I actually, with that, I practice with my clients. And then what happened five, six years later, like uh, it changes again. So I'm like, oh, so far I did everything's wrong. Then I follow another new study. 
And now it's, it doesn't even take five years. It takes like probably every like month sometimes come out new staff. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, a, I don't know which one is really right. So never mind about fat and carbs right now. We already know that. But now it's like really dealing with uh, because of eating a lot of meat is not good for you. It can cause your cancer, carcinogenic, blah, blah, blah. But then again, and then we encourage, I learned as a nutritionist, I have to encourage a lot of the fruits and vegetables to people. But then now I realize that no, 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 it's not true. Everybody's different. Depends on the, what condition, what your goal is. If you have IBS, you're suffering entire your life, you have a SIBO symptom. And then you always bloated and gassy and you don't feel good. Then I'm like, oh, then I have to really suggest with the recent study, please stop having fruits and vegetables. That's what I have to tell my client. So it's like uh, everything is keep on changing, right? And then is it, Veronica, didn't you tell me fruit and vegetable is good for body? And fiber, I have to have fiber. But then I'm like, no, because this is reason right now you cannot have a fruit and vegetable. If no fiber, just eliminate everything. Just stick to a very quality source of meat and have a good fat. And then I encourage you to have the saturated fat instead. And then have some butter because you're going to have buree directly. You don't have to convert from the fiber to actually, you know, those bacteria eat the fiber. So convert to a butyrate. And by then you're going to be bloated. You're going to have gas, you know. So don't do that. And I explain everything. And then I'm, even though I do that, I'm like, I know they're going to, because eventually they're going to say, okay, I didn't have bloated. You know, I have less bowel movement. I feel better. They're going to, they tell me. But same time, like, is it really the final solution? I have a question mark, even myself. Mm -hmm. And I call myself clinical nutritionist. I call myself functional medicine health coach. And I study and I go to all those uh, um, conventions. I go now to webinars with those top doctors in my fa uh, faculties. And they do like this summer, I need to get some uh, CEUs. So I have to go, uh, you know, get those classes. But then I'm like, is it, is it right what they tells me you know what i mean i started having all the questions because you just did 30 days ketogenic diet you come up with like crazy stuff that already before i had a question and i have to ask my client okay you're not getting into ketosis okay you're not losing weight oh now you get into ketosis but why you're not losing weight okay can you go check uh, uh, your blood come back okay your iron is low so okay now we have to take the boost to your iron and then after dig and dig dig and then make sure that she can lose weight mm -hmm. on ketogenic diet. And why nobody tell this kind of thing? I have to dig for miles away, then I can find out. Yeah. So you're right. It's like there's so many holes. Like it's a nutrition, even though people come to me, okay, she's a nutritionist. She knows everything. And it's not like I don't know anything, but I can tell I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. I know what I learn. I know what I practice. Yeah. That's all I know. So this is my answer to you. I don't know everything, seriously. But so, in, but like, this is the problem with it, like that I have um, with these seminars and all that kind of stuff. And this is why, like, I feel um, that like we need to kind of like be a part of some kind of like um, nutrition convention where like this study that we're going to do over the course of this six months, like we talk about it because like, I, like, I agree with you that 
the regurgitated misinformation that like we go to as professionals to seek out the more that I dive into each one of these months, the more that I realize that like, we're all full of shit, you know, like, and I, and like, I have such a tough time with that. I'm like, like we are the worst because like we're the ones that keep pumping out this misinformation as well. The problem is, is that how is this information been the information that's been validated that's been passed down to us? It's like, it goes back to that same theory. Well, I'm going to go to school to get the certification, but I'm going to learn what I need to know in my practice. Right. You know, because obviously like as soon as you get out of school, you realize that almost everything you learn in school doesn't really mean shit in, in almost every, <laughs> in almost every profession. It, like it, it's widely known and it's amazing that we still keep going to school and using the same resource in the same fashion, but in all, in, in every profession across the board, everybody can agree that once you get into the real world, it is not, is nothing like what you learned in school. Um, but this is the reason why that again, that like, you know, we need to continue to have these conversations because like what I've recognized in the last like 30 days, not as much about like the hard science behind, you know, um, ketosis and, you know, the effects of it and, you know, uh, preventing like epileptic seizures and all that kind of stuff, like what the U S military has done. Well, that's great. But the thing is we should peel the onion skins back way before that and say, well, this is how you get into ketosis, you know, not taking like exogenous ketones because the, now what I realize, I'm like, well, fuck these people taking like exogenous ketones and they're peeing high on the meter. Well, what does that prove? Like, what does it prove taking exogenous ketones and then peeing them out and, and reading high on a pee strip? Like that doesn't actually tell me anything, but that's how like all these, so like, like new best ketogenic diets and, you know, best way to get into ketosis and all this kind of stuff. I've never agreed with taking exogenous ketones to kickstart ketosis anyway from the get-go. Um, and I've always tried to make that very clear with people that like taking an exogenous ketone supplement is a gateway to get there. Um, it's probably the worst way, you know, because it doesn't really teach you anything except for taking like Tylenol for a headache. Well, why are you getting the headache? We should actually be diagnosing the problem. Like, so, but like now what I know is, well, what if you took those exogenous ketones peed high on a, on the P testing strips, but took the breath meter and scored very low because you're actually not in ketosis, but you're just peeing out the excess of the exogenous ketones you didn't use. Yeah. So again, like, what do we know? But think of how many people are promoting that message right now all over the internet, you know, get your P testing strips, you know, get your exogenous ketones, maybe fast for a day and then eat these high fat. Cause the one thing I realized being on the ketogenic diet now, like, the foods that are sold as like ketogenic friendly, I'm like, what crap do you guys smoke? Thinking that like in a serving of um, yeah. a ketogenic meal, there's like 15 grams of carbs in this shit. So I'm like, how can you tell me that like, you know, a hundred pound female could eat this serving and a 250 pound man eat this serving and that 15 grams of carbs even be relative to that? You know, like it just doesn't even make any sense. Or, you know, seeing like some of the meals that people post online as like ketogenic friendly meals. Um, I'm like, okay, well, they may be ketogenic if you're taking exogenous ketones, 
because you're actually not in ketosis, but the only thing that mirrors like you're in uh, ketosis is the exogenous ketones you're drinking and peeing out, but your body's actually not in ketosis. And one of the main reasons why people may be losing weight is because people are probably just being a little bit more mindful of the food that they're eating versus actually me being in ketosis. Like I, I just like, I I'm, I'm having a really hard time with this one and the misinformation I think is because out of the carnivore diet and the vegan diet um, and now the QJ diet, like there's no diagnostic tools for the carnivore diet and the vegan diet, um, you know, maybe except for like blood pressure and stuff like that. But like, there's no tool to test those, like what there is a ketone meter. But I just realized that like, again, the misinformation out there and like the stuff that people are pumping out is just infuriating to me. This is uh I made a couple of the a uh, couple of weeks ago. I made a short video about what is the best diet, and if I'm just a regular nutritionist who believing it just to eat more plant food and you know like uh, eat this and eat that, you know, count your macro and then get this supplement, blah blah blah. I can do that, but I don't want to talk those shit because I know the fact and. Thank you for bringing that one. Last time when I went meeting, it was uh, last year, there was a huge company because it was just a, a kind of meeting that every uh, nutritionist, a dietitian, and then uh, anybody who works in the health industry and in BC, we had a meeting. And this one guy come in, he's on the company, the owner for making this ketone uh, juice or something. And he started to, you know, explain about his juice. Like, it's like magic. Every woman, even they're like a dietitian, they're freaking out. Like, oh my God, so that's like a drinking extra, you know, give you a ketone. Oh, that's going to be good for my client. Someone who just ate the birthday cake, you know, you know, we have to enjoy right after you can have that drinks, then you can be in ketosis. And I actually argue with that lady. I'm like, listen, do you know the ketones your liver makes when they deprive for um, glucose? The body makes it to survive, to use it for energy. And why are you going to give us something that externally when body can make it? Mm-hmm. And how does it work? You well, just, so, you just to give, I know, you just to give a cake, birthday yeah. cake, right away. The human body, as long as you, there is a glucose in the body, they're going to stop producing, stop making, and stop using ketones because they prefer to use the glucose. So in my head, I'm not genius, but this, okay, you study, you, you call yourself a registered um, dietitian and they should just uh, get by the, by the guy, you know, oh my God, this is a great beverage. I'm like, no, it's not. It's a, this is a fact. Like uh, people out there, because it's a marketing and this is, of course, the food industry. This is a, you know, but I don't blame on them too because they have to create the product that right now what's a trend. And in the end, they want to make money. Mm-hmm. So for me, what I have to do, individual person, they really have to educate by themselves. And the end of the day, the diet is what's the best diet, the diet that you can stick to it. Because any diet you stick to it, it's going to work. Well, I'm not talking about processed food and so on. But in second... It's uh, you need to know your body. Mm-hmm. It's a ketogenic diet to work. Okay, good for you and continue to do it. Kind of a diet is working for you. Continue to do it. 
So that's that's the only one thing I know. The end, like when the people come to me, this this day I get a lot of uh, our new clients. They come to me and they want to lose weight. They want to do this and that, and I just tell them like you know like uh, let's go just to base one. Just write everything what you like to eat, what you don't like to eat, and what's your problem, what's your health goal. And the end, I usually give a lot of like guideline and the recipe and stuff like that. Now I'm giving very simple according to what they like, what they don't like. And I educate them. Mm. This is what you have to do. And simple. If you are not hungry, please don't eat. If you're hungry, you eat. Mm-hmm. Like really, I'm going down to really basic right now. Because they have to really start to tuning and listen to their body. And they start to, oh, this is working for me. When I eat this, Veronica, I feel really good. Then I'm like, okay, stick to it. It's like individual person is really different. Even now, is yes, ketogenic diet is unbelievably good. People talk about it. You know, I try many times. I'm always in low carbs diet, no matter what. That works for me. Even weight loss, fat loss, whatever that is. But then again, when you think about it, like, uh, is it really important to getting into ketosis? You have to really chase after the number. Mm-hmm. Is it? Lake, is it? Mm. Well, I guess it depends on like, for, I, I would say broadly, no. Like, you know, I would say like for the, the average person coming in, I always, the, the, so I had to stop and pause there because I always routinely look through my own lens of what, but I realize that I am very much not like the average person when it comes to like what would be the best advice for like the general population. Right. You know, because like it even comes back down to like to chasing the number and you know, like how we are like talking about like exogenous ketones and you brought like that guy at that conference and all that kind of stuff. And you have all of these people saying like, this is great. But like, we both know that the, as soon as you supplement something into the body, what does the body want to do now? not do that itself because it's already doing a million other things. So again, this is to me like, well, when people put exogenous ketones into their body, your liver is obviously going to not produce as much. Like we, we do know this, but then if you're chasing this number, well, what happens if you don't drink those exogenous ketones today, or you miss a couple of days, or you only drink them before a workout, but like you're chasing a number but you're skewing the number routinely all the time and you're sending your body mixed messages and it's like, well, I'm getting them someday, but not someday. And then I have this excess and not, and then you're following this number and you're tracking this number. But again, it comes back to me as the, like the improper education continually along the way of that, especially if we're going to track a number, you know, knowing that, well, for one numbers always like fluctuate, but it's like, how are you going to achieve that number? And like, what, what produces that number? Like we should really be focused there, you know, because it, like I, I challenge all that, all this stuff now that I've learned along the way. It's like, I don't really believe that fiber is that important to your body anymore. Um, I don't really believe that, you know, fruits and vegetables, you know, are as important as like what we believe. I don't believe that eating three meals a day is important. I don't think eating every two hours is important. I don't think eating is important is what I used to think it was before, because obviously you know, the benefits of fasting. Um, I don't think that anybody should ever be on one diet for an ex- a prolonged period of time. 
Um, there's just all of these things that like we can directly challenge. The problem with like nutrition is that there is all of these different things that we can follow. But again, the, if you actually analyze what the root of that is, the only thing that it actually exposes is how highly adaptable our body is to what we are doing right now. The problem is, is that people don't do one thing long enough typically to see any kind of benefit from it. So like if you're on a carnivore diet, your body will adapt to that carnivore diet and you can be successful on that. You know, like, is there going to be some deficiencies? hundred percent, but will your body hedge the bet maybe 70% of the way? Absolutely. Will your body do that same thing on a, on a vegan diet? Absolutely. Will it do that on a ketogenic diet? Absolutely. Do they all have their shortcomings? Absolutely. Do they all have their um, physiological responses that are positive? Absolutely. But that's the point like that. That really is solidly. The point is that there is, there, there is no one of those diets. It's just like whatever diet people are going to do the, the purpose of doing it properly becomes the key. But the thing is like, what I realized is that we don't know how to do all these things properly because think how long a ketogenic diet has been clickbaity for now. What? like a solid about six years now, five, six years. It's been really clickbaity. Um, but think of like the conversation that we're having right now, how it's very, I haven't had this conversation with anybody based on around a ketogenic diet. And I know what the problem behind that is, is because the ketogenic diet has been plagued by multi-level marketing of like just individuals who are pumping out like exogenous ketone supplements that become alleged ketone information sources like they know what they're talking about and they're so full of shit it, it, it know nothing really about it because i realized that as much as i tried to understand the ketogenic diet after doing this ketogenic diet for a month i didn't know shit about the ketogenic diet you know and like i have like a real vested interest in wanting to know more because i have no financial interest i just want to know it so that i know that i'm giving people the correct information because ketogenic diet, at the end of the day, uh, what is good about it? Because it's controlling insulin hormone. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. As long as you control your blood sugar level, your body works well. And yeah. you're right. Either you're on a kind of a diet or a vegan diet or ketogenic diet or any kind of, just tell me, a paleo diet, whatever the diet you comes into. People, like if they stick to it, our body adjusts to it. Because that's why now we still survive is how many, how many years, how many thousands, thousands, thousands of years do we, because we evolve, we always, adjust, our body, that's called the homeostasis. We adjust, we adapt. Mm -hmm. So uh, people, they don't understand like, okay, so if I do this, like, just tell me what I have to eat, then I do it. And their mindset is already, okay, so if I lose 30 pounds after I'm going to go back to what I did. Deep down inside, they have that. So any diet you come on, you can choose any diet. You can be, it can be carnivore diet. It can be ketogenic diet. Choose one that you can stick really long time. And mm -hmm. those diets, just to make sure there's no processed food. There's all this junk, you know, just got to go. And just to make it simple. And just to make sure that this is just that something that you enjoy eat every meal. And that's it. Don't make it complicated like, oh, should I have three meal, Veronica? Should I have one meal? Should I have six meal? No. Like, 
Do you feel hungry? Eat. Mm-hmm. You're not hungry. Don't eat. That's it. Mm-hmm. Why you have to keep on squeezing snack between meal? Because people eat like ten times a day. Some people, oh, I don't eat. I don't eat a lot, Veronica. I just eat barely, but I, I'm not losing weight. Actually, I'm gaining weight. When I dissect their, just to just walk me through your day, from wake up until you go to bed. I go, you, you, you eating thirteen times a day. That's what I tell them. They don't realize they keep on grazing all day. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, you play with your insulin hormone. Your blood sugar level keep on going up every time you eat. I don't care if it's a nuts. I don't care if it's just raisin. I don't care if it's a fruit or a vegetable. Blood sugar level goes up. So that's why fasting comes up. When you don't eat, blood sugar level drop. That's how you can control. So I think ketogenic diet at the end of the day is because it can control the insulin hormone. That's why it's good. So people try to make it difficult, try to make it complicated. They come up with some products. So because, just tell me true, people, they're lazy. Mm -hmm. They want quick fix. They don't want to work. So, oh, that product, if I buy it, okay, I'm going to pay it so I, I have to work less. So I get result. That's what the people want. Do you think down the road and now they start making product for the mitochondria, the mitochondria, the cell. Now the people start getting into it. sciences, they come up with the study. So people, okay, I want to live a long time. I want to look younger. You know, I want to have more energy. So now all this uh, multi-level marketing, they're making this product. It's going to be continued like this. At the end of the day, you have to get educate yourself. So what works for you? Don't chase after product anymore. So for me, like at the end of the day, I'm not going to lose job, you know, as a nutritionist. But wow, you know what? Like (laughs) the end, like I cannot sell what I don't believe. I only can give advice what I believe. So that's why my practice become very simple. It's not complicated. So don't make it complicated, just simple. You can, you, you, I know you told me before, Veronica, when I did a carnivore diet, I feel so tight. I feel so good. I don't feel bloated. I feel so satiated. All that truth. Mm-hmm. Because that's like, a, because I did too. After when you told me, I tried. I never want to try a carnivore diet because I know that in fact, that with my knowledge, it's not good. But I did anyway, because if I don't have experience, I cannot tell it's good or not good. So I have to experience that. I did it. And then after that, I studied more about short-chain fatty acid and this and that. But like, uh, yeah, you're right. Isn't it interesting though? Like, you know, like how we develop opinions on something that we've never actually tried. Yeah. And I've done that for 15 years. Like I, I, I completely understand that now. And like, Again, like I just like I realize how like unless if we are willing to do these things ourselves, we we truly have no authority to be able to speak on them because we don't know like how it actually feels. You know, like what I what I have ever known that there may be a theory that the higher that you get into into ketosis, the more loose your stool gets, and the likelihood you're going to start to get diarrhea. Like. I would have never have known. I don't even know if it's a theory, but like I, I, I can start to see some correlations where maybe there should be a study done on that. Like it, it, 
makes a lot of sense to me like you know based on how i felt on the carnivore diet and now on the, the ketogenic diet but again i've never heard anybody ever talk about that and i would have never talked about that except for things like this but they are incredibly important you i know, know like, very important yeah like early warning signals right you know like yeah. you know even like say for an example if, if somebody didn't know um that they were type 1 diabetic right so like i actually know like a, a young man um you know, who didn't know that he had type one diabetes. Um, and I think he's 12 or 13. Um, uh, shoot, I wish I could remember for sure. But yeah, and it, this was just recently, you know, like about six months ago, you know, they ended up in the hospital because he was he had ketogenic acidosis and like, it, like the outcome was not good for him. Like, so now they realize he's a type one diabetic, all this kind of stuff. Like, I wonder if like he experienced, you know, like sporadic periods of diarrhea you know, before that, you're like, what if, what if diarrhea could potentially be one of like the early warning systems, you know, for like, if you're getting into ketogenic acidosis, or, you know, if, if as a child or as an adult or something like that, you know, if you get type one diabetes, it, a, a question a doctor would ask you, like, how frequently do you have diarrhea? You know, it's like an assessment to like, we don't, I don't know, maybe it's not valid at all. You know, maybe it's not worth checking into, but like, these little things like that, I think this is why, like, more actual information needs to be put out there, more detailed tests. And the problem again with multi-level marketing is because all you have people doing is people thinking that they can make like a quick dollar jumping on this multi-level marketing, but don't actually really care about like the science or more importantly, like the health behind it. They're just kind of looking at the dollars behind it. And that's why I feel like multi-level marketing tools or, or systems, they, they should be banned from like the health and wellness industry because I, that's the biggest propagator of like bad information, misinformation and uneducated people offering an educated perspective. Like they know what they're talking about who don't know shit. And like, and to be honest, don't even really care about knowing it because all they really want to do is jump on this new multi-level marketing system that, you know, that they can make some money on and they, you know, may or may not have seen some kind of results that might be arbitrary in the long run. You know, we're like, we need to clean up like the health and wellness industry, and especially when it comes to diet and nutrition, because like we need to somehow to be able to wipe this slate clean and say, we're going to start over. And that's why I think like these nutrition conferences, you know, and cleaning up some of the bad information that's being pumped out to us at nutrition conferences is going to be critical because like that's, it starts there as well. You know, between those two avenues, like I see pretty big holes in the misinformation system. Oh, it's not going to happen because mm -hmm. the convention of medicine and the convention of test itself is, um, is corrupted. And for me, like I hate uh, MLM anyway, any other industry as well, but especially when it comes with the health industries, like, like people bring me so many product and I look at it, why are you giving me this? Oh, this is going to work well and then you can make money as well. Like, no, I don't, I don't believe in this product. You come with a happy coffee and then you for weight loss and then I can make money. First of all, like uh, I actually, I don't believe in anything about this shit. So don't bring to me. That's me. Yeah. Right? So that's why I don't sell any product from begin with. And here's the thing for the conventional. Let's say, talk about diabetes. This is the one thing that I tell you before we go. The thing is like uh, you go blood test every six months or every year. I do that too. And then most of people, when they really get diagnosed as a diabetes, it takes about two decades 
20 years later. They had so many warning signs before. But every time they don't feel good, they keep on gaining weight. You know, they don't, you know, like they go their blood test and doctor, they say, oh, A1C, fasting glucose level. Oh, you're okay. Don't worry about it. This number is nothing. Okay. You, you are in that, those matching number. So they send back home. They come back again a year later. They gain a little bit more weight. But A1C level is not so much to worry. Okay, go back. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Meantime, they don't never look at their insulin level. So they only check the glucose level. So the end, when they actually diagnose that diabetes, what happened? Oh, finally, the glucose level is so high, A1C. So, okay, you have diabetes. By then already, like rock bottom, the insulin mm-hmm. hormone level. Before, they could catch before, but they never look into it. Yeah. So that's why it's just a conventional, the test is already corrupted. I don't believe in it. So that's why the individual person have to study about it. They have to really care. Don't just go like, you know, like a cat, you know, just a scratching surface. Don't do that. Really dig into it. How you can dig into it? Experience by yourself, just like you. Try it. Try it out. You're going to find out how you feel. I found out how I feel when I did a kind of a diet. I found out when I did a vegan diet for three months. So you have to try it. Like, uh, I cannot tell you how you feel. Blake, uh, you look always good, but maybe you don't feel good. I don't know. Yeah. So that's going to apply to everybody. So, and, I, and, and those are the things, you know, right where it's like the, um, well, I, I guess, sorry, I got two thoughts running in my mind. One is like the problem that I have with going to the doctor and doing this, like, this routine testing, like that actually has anything to do with like an overall concept of health. It's like, you know, even tracking like cholesterol levels and, you know, like I, I've never been to a doctor ever in my life that before I've got cholesterol checked, it said like, did you just finish working out? Did you just finish work? Did you just finish? Like, do you have stress going on in your life? All these things that will directly affect your cholesterol levels. Nobody asks that shit. And what we know now is that it is so inefficient to take one snippet of a cholesterol level that, you know, if you're going to get your cholesterol levels checked, you should go uh, you know, pick a month and go every Monday of that month and then do an average of those because your cholesterol levels fluctuate literally with everything, you know? So like, it's the, you know, if you get a suit, if you get a super stressful, like text message or, you know, phone call before you go get your cholesterol levels checked, well, that's going to change your cholesterol levels. Like all these and like, we know these, but we just think that we can just magically walk in one day and get all these things checked in there. The, exact picture of our health and what our system is going because you know even when I was at body comp imaging on on Friday um you know time with like Peter Schwegley and getting my results and I'm like I do knowing what I know now going for my DEXA scan I do not understand why everybody once a year a part of our public health system isn't getting a DEXA scan done because it would be one of the best tools for preventative care out of anything I have ever come across in like the almost 20 years that I've been doing this health and fitness thing. Like, it's just like, it it makes no sense to me that we're not using like good diagnostic tools like a DEXA scan to be able to help hedge the bed of people's healthcare long-term. I agree with you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think time is up almost. So 
Yeah, we should probably wrap this this sucker up. Sorry that it's so short, and I I apologize to everybody. This is my fault having to uh, cut this podcast <laughs> off with uh, with Veronica today. Um, it's Sunday is just one of those busy days trying to be able to to squeeze everything in and stuff. But um, I hope that this has given everybody a little bit more of insight of you know not only like the benefits of um, a ketogenic diet, but more of some of the holes to potentially look into. But I guess more importantly to me is that educate yourself, like research it. Like I hope that the conversation that Veronica and I had today, like if you are going to be on a ketogenic diet or you're on a ketogenic diet right now, it'll just give you some food for thought, some tools to be actually create some knowledge with inside yourself. Because again, Veronica and I were humble enough to be able to admit that we didn't know these things going in and we're going to continually find out these things. So like, let's all educate ourselves together and let's more importantly, like let's all be a part of pumping out good information to try to disarm the the bad information that's already out there. So thank oh, you. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Blake, uh, yeah. Before I go, I wanted to ask you just one question. What's your next diet? Paleo starts tomorrow. So it'll be, uh, it's a, I feel like just doing the research I've done on, on the paleo diet, it's, uh, not going to be not going to be very challenging at all to be able to to be on it but it'll be an interesting month so it's really nice. you're gonna do paleo diet okay got it okay so and then, uh, and then after that um i think like the uh the water sampling starts so uh picking like what has been like the best diet for me um you know so far because I, I guess like really quick too, I should kind of briefly mention the, uh, the strength and conditioning testing, um, you know, that I did, you know, at the end of every month that I find, I found across the board with strength and endurance, the ketogenic diet was the best out of all the three diets so far. Um, you know, like I it was very clear on the carnivore diet, I felt my strength was there, but I had no endurance. Um, when I was on the vegan diet, I felt I had no strength, but I had all the endurance in the world. The ketogenic diet, although my strength and endurance may not have been as high in those individual categories on the carnivore diet and the vegan diet, but it was like 90% of the way there. So from a strength and conditioning uh, perspective, I do feel like the ketogenic diet um, is the superior diet um, in, in contrast to a carnivore diet, a vegan diet, and a, and a ketogenic diet. I feel like for me personally, and the results I got with my body from a strength and conditioning uh, athletics, that a ketogenic diet was the best mm. so far. Awesome. Thank you. So I'm looking forward to your paleo diet journey, mm. and I look forward to see you in the coming week in yes. person. In person, which will be nice. Yeah. Have yourself a wonderful Sunday, Veronica. And it's, uh, again, it's always my pleasure to be able to have you on, on We Are I, and I always thoroughly enjoy our conversations. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye.